A movie that has become incredibly popular through the years, not all that, is a, it was seen as a children's movie, you know, for young people, it was not all that popular, it didn't make a ton of money when it first came out, but now it's just raking it in. Uh, and that movie is called Goonies. I love that movie. They had a sort of a cast reunion a few years afterwards, and unfortunately two of the young actors have since passed away, but there were five of them, and they asked them what was the hardest part for them of getting ready to be in a movie and being in the movie. And they all said the same thing. Well, the hardest thing was learning to ride bicycles. Now, we're talking 10, 11, and 12-year-old boys who had never ridden a bike in their life. And for the movie, they had to learn to ride bikes. And I was kind of astonished. I said, what 10, 11, 12-year-old boy doesn't know how to ride a bike? Now, of course, bike riding here is a little easier because we live in neighborhoods. You know, there's places to ride bikes. Of course, if you're from California or some other, you know, or from a huge city, I mean, there's just really nowhere to go bike riding unless you run out to a park or something. But it's amazing how they just didn't know how to ride bikes. A good friend of mine, a priest, considerably younger than me, about half, less than half my age, uh, order priest, he's a passionist, and he goes around the country giving retreats to young people, primarily junior high students. And he was telling me about one of his most recent ones, and the, the whole retreat was going to be on Christian virtues. So the first night, they were all gathered in a church like you're here, and he went around and began asking questions of, of the middle school student or the junior high students. And he started asking them about Christian virtue. And no hand went up to answer his questions. And he thought, well, they're just shy. So he asked and he asked. And finally, somebody raised their hand and said, yes, what do you think? He said, Father, what's a virtue? Junior high students. And he said, how many here don't know what the word virtue means? And he said, the vast majority of the hands went up. You know, it's just... Within the last year, a group of junior high school students had no clue about the word virtue. Whereas a Christian people were called to live virtuous lives. You know, and it behooves us to understand what the virtues are and, and what they're all about. You know, and, and Matthew is trying to teach us true Christian virtues. Now Matthew, in its own way, is a very political gospel, uh, not political in the sense of parties and policies, but rather the way he presents the kingdom of God in, in his gospel is here's the kingdom of God, here's the empire of Rome. And he's constantly comparing the two. Sometimes it's very subtle, and we may not see it initially, sometimes it's very obvious. And here in these Beatitudes, I told you at the beginning that everything here is the opposite of what the general population would have thought. These are absolutely contrary to Roman virtues. And so he's trying to say, here are these two different things, and we're going to live this way, not this way. Here's what the Roman Empire with a dictator, Caesar, looks like, Roman soldiers occupying our lands. 
of course, by the time of Matthew, Jerusalem had already been destroyed uh, in the Roman-Jewish War. The temple was destroyed around 70 AD, well attested to in, in other historical documents. So he's saying, hey, what we knew is gone. So what we need to build is God's kingdom. And here's what it's going to look like. Not like that, but like this. And so we end up with him giving us these beatitudes. And, and when he talks about them, they're not what they seem on the surface. You know, blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's not talking about people that are sad because someone has died. He's talking about people that grieve the loss of a lifestyle, that grieve the loss of the temple, that grieve the loss of their religion. You know, much bigger kinds of grief, longing for what came before that was good and holy. And that's the kind of mourning he is talking about. And, you know, if we look to the best of us and begin to grieve and mourn for how we're not as good as we used to be, that's the kind of mourning, you know. For those who see that, that means you get it, you see it, and it, it hurts your heart. You know, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, righteousness is a scriptural word. It can also be called, uh, you know, they who hunger and thirst for justification. But to be righteous is to be a person who is chosen to live the way God wants us to live. To be right with God. You know, this righteousness is not self-righteousness. It's the righteousness that comes only when we want our relationship with God to be more important than any other thing in our lives. That our relationship with God is even more important than our spouses, our children, and our job. And of course, I often say, if we get that part right, God, spouse, family, job, if we get the God part right, everything else falls into place. If God is a little lower down the list, we don't ever get it lined up. We're not really righteous. We're not lined up the way we should be. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, this isn't about economics. The poor in spirit goes along with blessed are the meek. You know, meekness in the Roman thought, Greek thought, is terrible. You know, it's terrible to be a meek person. And the notion is, you're just the type of person everybody's going to run over. You need to stand your ground. You need to fight back. You need to get revenge. You need to get even with people. You know, that was the law of the land. Revenge was law of the land. Now, in the Old Testament, revenge was part of it too. And it got so out of hand, they had to regulate it. So we end up from, with Deuteronomy, an eye for an eye. That doesn't mean you must go get an eye for an eye. It's only an eye for an eye. You know, when you go to get even, that's all you're allowed to do is get even. Now, we don't say that anymore, um, you know, that you're allowed to get even. No, the virtue is meekness. Meekness. The meek person is the person that realizes what their relationship with God is and again, that's the most important thing, that I am not going to go back and get even. I am not going to go back and get revenge. I choose to live 
as Christ. You know, if Jesus Christ had wanted to get revenge for those who put him to death, you know, quite literally, we could probably talk about a scorched earth policy. Because he could do that. But he said, Father, forgive them. It's not in our nature. But yet, Matthew was calling us to live virtuous lives. And if we do try hard to live virtuous lives, it's not going to go easy for us because in many cases we're going to be living values that stand opposed to the values that surround us. And, And people might make fun of us. People might persecute us. You know, some Catholics in the past, you know, it's not rare. They had the rosary out, had it set on their desk. Somebody comes by and sees the rosary and just begins to make fun of them. And one person I said, well, I guess you're going to start hiding your rosary then, aren't you? Oh, no, I'm going to make more people look at it. (laughs) That, you know, saw it as a challenge, you know, to, to stand for faith. If they had hidden it, I would have understood, certainly. You could also get fired for that, but the person didn't turn them into HR. It can be hard to live a virtuous life. But the payoff is, if we do our best to live a truly virtuous life, while people may be uncomfortable with us in the beginning, while people make, might make a little bit of fun of us in the beginning, when they truly see the happiness and the contentment that comes out of living a virtuous life, they'll quit making fun of us. They'll try to start becoming like us.